Kaisei Fu. And guess what? After several weeks in a row of long episodes, and then one normal length episode, it looks like we are getting, well, we are already into the days of the off season, where barely anything happens at all. Uh, we, we just went over our, our notes before we started recording. Uh, the Blackhawks announced they're starting a rebuild. Is probably the biggest thing or most important thing. Um, Josh Levo signed with Calgary. And some general managers want to change the perfect and impeccable draft lottery system. So that's uh, that's pretty much what's been going on lately. Uh, this is probably going to be a little bit of a shorter episode as we get into the offseason. I don't like having offseason in October. I know you probably feel the same way. October, oftentimes in the past, has been one of my favorite months. And that is due in part to the fact that the NHL season is starting. And uh, now instead of that, we have the draft and free agency. That was fun. But now as we're around the end of October and nothing in hockey is happening, it feels like a, a big hole in the ground. Yeah, I mean that de-escalated quickly, right? Uh, it was just yesterday, <laughs> yeah, or yesterday, last week, last couple of weeks. Just had so much to talk about, uh, so so much to talk about, and then now we're left with fucking. Okay, now we have to talk about the Blackhawks as our main point of the episode. Uh, something that I don't think I saw coming, or or many other people. And uh, it's just, yeah, it's there's a fucking off season, and you're right. It comes at a at a very weird time. Right now, we'd be just getting into the swing in a normal season. Uh, of, you know, the regular season. And it's just, uh, yeah, it's weird. You know, I, I agree. I don't like it at this time of year. Uh, it just, you know, the, the off season during the summer, it kind of works because, you know, you can go outside. You can, it's the freaking summer. You're just relaxed. And I'm not saying summer hockey wasn't fun. I'm just saying that fall off season sucks harder than a regular one. Uh, and, you know, we just, we had like hockey buzz for so many months in a row if you think about it it's really like 12 months because you know even during that break or the covid break uh we were still talking about hockey the most of the time and you know you'd, you'd have some some news to talk about here and there and your speculation on how they were going to end the season and now it's just like it's like any regular off season and it's just uh you know the the, the news comes really really slowly and mm-hmm. yeah as i said before it really slowed down quickly uh, like, like, it's just like, it was really flowing and then it dried up fast and here we are. Uh, and you know, gotta be a rough stretch, not gonna lie, especially for the podcasting. Cause, uh, you know, like, uh, what, what the hell are we going to talk about? Uh, like every week from here on out. Yeah. I hope we're selling this episode well, because we spent the first three minutes saying we don't know what to talk about, but, uh, anyway, you mentioned this feels like a regular off season, but one key difference is that we don't know when the next season is starting right now, which is a pretty big difference from normal off-seasons to this one. And we are facing a, well, no matter what happens, uh, the next important hockey that I'm really going to be interested in is the the World Juniors, which happen to be starting a day earlier this year. So they'll be starting on Christmas Day. Uh, normally they'll have like four games on four of the days, and two games on two of the days in the six-day-long round robin this year because they're all going to be in the bu- in a bubble in Edmonton. Uh, they're going to have, like, three games on some days. And I'm interested to see, like, if NHL training camps, like, they could be going on at that time. So, I mean, if the season hasn't started yet, you have, like, oh, maybe Lafreniere will get to play on the junior team again, and Kirby Doc and Jack Hughes for Team USA, Capo Caco for 
Team Finland, or unless he's uh, missed it by a few months. I don't know. You get the idea. Maybe these NHLers are going to get to play in the World Juniors. Or what I thought first was if training camps are going on, maybe we're going to get even less good players than normal because these fringe players who are probably going to be sent back to junior are going to be busy fighting for spots at training camp and they won't get to go to play in the juniors. Yeah, that's an interesting question. Uh, it's really one or the other, and it really depends on what the NHL th- uh, is going to you know, lay out as a plan because right now they've got nothing planned uh, and we don't know really any dates for the new season. Uh, I know they. there are some dates that they're targeting. We've seen a January. We've seen a February. I think February is the, the big one right now. Uh, and really, you have to think back how long are they going to... You need to give a few weeks for training camp and all that. And, you know, given that, I think I think there's a decent pro, like a decent chance that uh, it's the first outcome that, that goes on. And you see a way more, like, like, the players don't really have anything to do. And they end up at, you know, at the World Juniors. And you'll see a really talented crop of players this year. Because, I mean, think about it, uh, January 1st, which, for example, that would, if, if there were to be training camp at that point of the year, uh, that's only in what? It's in like eight weeks away. And, I mean, it seems like the NHL has nothing prepared. Nothing prepared on, you know, what they're going to do for travel, the divisions even. Uh, there, it doesn't seem like they're going to hold a bubble or anything. So, I think it's highly unlikely that they get training camp started by you know during the time of the world juniors and if that's the case and even then the the nhl will still the teams will probably still have like really not much of an idea what's going on and trying to get their youngsters their prospects some valuable playing time well in that case if you got the world juniors going on i mean why not send them there why not allow them to go if you know training camp the new season isn't really on the horizon uh, especially for this season, you're trying to get your young players as much playing time as possible because who knows what's going on with the junior leagues, with the AHL, uh, and with other leagues. And so I think the priority is getting your youngsters some playing time. And I think the World Juniors is just that, even if it does get close to encroaching on training camp. Yeah, well, you know, I don't think I think what could happen if the season is starting on January 1st, because apparently they're, that's what they're still aiming for, training camps would start around the uh, early mid-December-ish. I don't know, December 8th, uh, just random date I just named. And it, so in that case, training camps would be going on entirely you know, through the World Juniors. And then the regular season would have started before the World Juniors are even done. So that's kind of the situation where you're seeing you know, guys like Lafreniere. Maybe he'll be available for the round robin, but is he going to stick around for the medal round if, he, if the Rangers are playing a couple of games instead. So I know it's not really, you know, the utmost importance when the NHL is thinking about what dates to set, you know, start of the regular season, start of training camp. In that sense, it kind of feels a lot like it did over this long break when we were waiting for what the playoffs are going to be like. When are they going to start? We just wanted to see, you know, concrete dates. And I think near the end of May, they came out like Gary Bettman had that announcement, like here's how the playoffs are going to work. This is what we know so far, but we still didn't have any actual dates. And I'm thinking we probably see something similar to that, hopefully, relatively soon within the next couple of weeks. Like, here's what the divisions are going to look like. Here's what the schedule is going to look like. Here's how many games we're going to play. But maybe, you know, no concrete dates yet for uh, training camp, regular season start, and like, I don't know, playoff start, which would probably be in, in May at the at the earliest. Yeah. I mean, hopefully they figure something out soon. Because, I mean, frankly, they have to really kind of put together a sort of Frankenstein season from 
from scratch, <laughs> really. Because because there's, you know, what, what the hell are they going to do? Because all these guidelines, right, are in place in terms of travel across the border and just, like, gathering in general that, like, what the, like, it's just, like, you have to, you have to figure all this out. This really hasn't been done before. Uh, and, like, they didn't do it for the bubble because they just shoved everybody inside the bubble. They're not doing that again. And, obviously, it's never been done in any prior season, right? And so, yeah, I... That's why I think, you know, January 1st, it's not happening. No fucking way. Because that implies that training camp start in what? Like four weeks? Five weeks? Uh, I just, I six. really Give don't see six. that happening. Okay, six weeks. And <laughs> I think I think the general managers, I think the league needs more time to plan things out. I think that's it. Uh, I think January 1st is very ambitious. It's a nice date to, you know, say, okay, we're aiming for this. But I don't think, I don't think it's actually going to happen. I think February 1st is, you know, a bit more realistic. I still don't know if they're going to hit the date. Uh, but... You know, we'll see. We'll see. It's all up to the. It's all up to how those general managers. I know they. I think they held a meeting or some sort. Uh, the other day, I think it was on Friday. And I mean, I don't think we really saw any news come out of that. Uh, so who knows what they talked about then? But really, you know, it's like it's like they're starting from scratch, is what I'm saying. Uh, kind of like how they worked it in the like how they had it before the bubble. You're right in that aspect where we really had no idea what they were gonna do, right? Uh, what kind of format uh, and how everything was gonna work and the protocols and all that. While we still, it's like it's it's a whole new. It's a brand new set of that, but with the regular season, and it's yeah, they have a like even if they shorten the regular season, that's a lot of fucking games to manage, uh, in the middle of a fucking pandemic, and so mm-hmm. uh, you know, we'll we'll see because uh, it's you know I I would not blame them if they if I if they took longer in order to start the season because it's just it's a lot to manage, it's a lot to manage because they have to start over again in terms of planning uh, a season. Yeah. Uh, speaking of those GM meetings, I don't remember if it was Friedman or Darren Dreger, but someone had a tweet that was like, the GM meetings just ended and they were almost two hours long. I was like, is that, are we supposed to be impressed by that? Like, I don't know. I Are the GM meetings normally like 15 minutes? Like they all get together. Like anyone have any new ideas? Uh, nope, not really. All right, cool. Goodbye. Cause I'm getting the sense that's probably, probably what it was. And now that like really two hours, like all these things, that we have to plan for the upcoming season and two hours like, wow, blown away. I don't know. Kind of a bit of a digression, but I thought that was funny. I mean, that's, you're telling me that a GM meeting uh, in the midst of a pandemic where you have no idea what you're doing for the upcoming season that may or may not start within the next 10 weeks, uh, that it went about the length of a long episode of Fusion. Um, I mean... Uh, <laughs> I'd expect these GMs to pulling uh, to be pulling all nighters at this point, trying to figure out what the hell they're gonna do. Because uh, I mean, it's urgent. It's urgent. These kind of things creep up on you fast. I felt like a lot of the hockey dates that came up, uh, you know, from the draft to the free agency to really all the dates in the bubble. Uh, it's just they creeped up fast. Like they announced the date, it kind of fell far off, and then they came up quickly. And so you know, if they want to start in January, which I said it time and time again, I don't think it's realistic. They kind of get on their horse and. Uh, you know, one remarkable two-hour meeting, I hardly think it'll solve their problems. <laughs> yeah, well, now that, well, they still don't know anything, so assuming there will be at least one or two more two-hour meetings in the near future to try and try and hash out the details, but uh, who knows? Who, what am I to say? I'm not a GM. Oh, oh, the other thing they talked about, so we know that during those GM meetings, they did not only talk about how they're going to start the season, because apparently some of the GMs are also 
they don't like the lottery system anymore because back in 2015, when the Buffalo Sabres and Arizona Coyotes embarrassed themselves by trading the worst goalies for even worse goalies and in an attempt to tank for you know one of McDavid or Eichel because the last place team at that time was guaranteed a top two pick. And then that's the last year of that system. And then it said, you know, we can't reward tanking this much. We have to, you know, not reward tanking as much. That's when they changed it to the current system where the last place team still has the best odds of getting the top pick at 20%. And they actually, the worst team has gotten the top pick two out of the, two out of the, how many five years that we've had this system. And now though, that, you know, three out of those five times, the last place team dropped to fourth, which by the way, they were guaranteed a top four pick, which is the biggest advantage that any team has. And I'm like, nope, we need to benefit tanking more. The worst teams, you know, the Red Wings, who lose on purpose. Sorry. Yeah, we need to we need to turn it back around and do the other thing. Like pick pick one or the other. And I mean, honestly, you already kind of did. You are this current system that apparently the Red Wings and the teams that bottom out are not happy about benefits them by guaranteeing them a top four pick and giving them the highest odds at the highest possible pick. So I think changing the lottery system would be a big mistake, especially if you, you know, go back more towards what it was like in the McDavid Eichel year and before that, because then it's only a matter of time before teams get mad that the teams that tank are getting too much help. And then it comes back in uh, in the other direction. Yeah. I mean, frankly, right now, I think it's, I think it's a nice balance. I think it's, it's a, yeah, it's a balance between the two, uh, two extremes. Uh, and, you know, I just feel like the Detroit Red Wings, who have been noted as being the team that are, quote, incredibly upset by the outcome of this year's lottery, I just think they're being, you know, some babies right now. Uh, just because they lost it a bunch. And they're just sad. They didn't. They want a higher pick. Uh, but frankly, the system works. The system works because, yeah, uh, you don't want teams, you don't want to explicitly encourage tanking. That's one outcome by, you know, guaranteeing a team a top two pick. Uh, on the other side, you know, you do want to give that advantage to the lower team so that they, you know, they don't stay in the doldrums forever. And yeah, this this freaking works. You get a top four pick and you get the best odds at number one. I mean, really, it's 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 kind of perfect. And I don't, you know, I I wouldn't I wouldn't mess with it is what I'm saying. Uh, and yeah, I think just this all this thing is Detroit just being whiny. They're in the middle of a rebuild. They want those high picks and they are not getting them, and they're sad about it. And so you know, I have absolutely no sympathy for you whatsoever. You got your fourth overall pick. That's what you earned, quote unquote, by finishing in last place, by being a fucking god-awful team that didn't hit 40 points uh, despite it being a shortened season. Uh, and so, you know, uh, no sympathy here. And for me, you know, I want to see if they do want to change, show me your fucking, uh, what, what is it? Show me your, like, other proposals. Show me your new proposals, your, uh, you know. Your, Alternatives. Uh, what's the word? alternatives there we go uh show me your alternatives detroit because i don't think there's much better than the current system yeah i agree i do want to say though i would rather the if the nhl did change the system i would rather they go back towards closer the way it was in like the mcdavid year than move even further away from that where it's like oh the last place team could drop to eighth or something ridiculous like that because i know i'm kind of in the minority on this i think but i think tanking is super fun and like, you know, we're going to have Shane Wright uh, coming up in two years. who's like, you know, a great talent. And in 2023 also, I don't know if you've seen the vi- the clips on Twitter of Connor Bedard and Matvey Michkov, which is going to be like, you know, one of the legendary one-two 
or at least projects to be a legendary one two at the draft. Like Matvey Mitchkov is already like tearing up the MHL as a fifteen year old, and I think Connor Bedar just made his debut in like a an under twenty European league. So anyway, but what I, what I'm going to say is races for the bottom are super fun. I think, and I know you know some people say, oh, you know, trying to lose, it's you know not good. Blah, blah, blah. I don't care. It's, it's a lot of fun, and it's I don't know, like you know, Tim Murray obviously, you know, kind of set his team back ten years trying to tank for McDavid, and uh, you know, because you do have to be smart about it. But when you have these teams like these GMs who are you know silently rooting to get in last place, and the fans who are you know loudly rooting to get in last place, it's like especially you know when it's tight down to the wire, like that Buffalo Arizona one was. And then uh, it's a lot of fun and it, it keeps the fans engaged also for the, the end of the season when you're way past the, when you're way out of the playoffs. So I think tanking is great. And a lot of the times if you do it properly, which is a little harder than it sounds, then uh, it, it is kind of, you know, it can be important to kind of bottom out and get some star talent for your team. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I think tanking is fun. Uh, you know, I mean, we just made a whole bit this this past season with a 40-point watch with Detroit, right? And it's like, it's a lot of fun. This team fucking sucks. Well, this wasn't such a close uh, race this year anyway, but, but that, right, I It wasn't understand. a close race. But, like, teams that suck are pretty fun to watch, right? Like, just not watch hockey-wise. See, that was my other point, was that, <laughs> you know, to, to, to watch them play hockey, like, actually watch the games, must be miserable. Uh, and I sympathize with those fans. However, just looking at the standings and seeing that one team happens to be like fucking 30 points out of a playoff spot is frankly amusing. And if we have a race of multiple teams that are 30 points out of a playoff spot, it just becomes, you know, exponentially better. Uh, So, you know, I'm with you. Tanking. And plus, you know, there are, you know, it's better, frankly, I think, running an organization to to be tanking and to be, you know, stockpiling those assets than to be mediocre. Uh, to be the Minnesota Wild year in, year out, where you're doing jack shit and you don't have a chance at anything. Uh, so, you know, tanking, I think, is a necessary part. Well, maybe not a necessary part, but at least rebuilding is a necessary part uh, to any healthy organization's life cycle. And tanking is just a mm-hmm. part of it. And I'm fine with it. However, yeah. you know, I, yeah. I was going to say, even if there was no benefit at all to the team that finished in last place, and no draft lottery benefit whatsoever, Teams would still trade away their pending UFAs to the trade deadline if they weren't going to make the playoffs and trade away their older players for, you know, draft picks and young and, you know, prospects that will make your team better down the line and also make your team worse in the present. So like tanking the way people look at it would still exist of like, quote unquote, purposely getting worse for the end of the season. So I'm not even convinced that you know, making some sort of big alteration to the draft lottery would even solve the problem. But they're not even thinking about going that way anyway. They're thinking about making it more advantageous for the bottom teams. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Exactly. carry and, on. And, and I I mean, you, you said that you you might even favor going in that direction. I don't. I don't favor going any direction. I really like this current system. And, you know, I just, if you suck hard, all right, uh, we, shouldn't give you, we shouldn't be giving you, you know, a gold medal either, you know, for being the best at sucking. And frankly, if Buffalo had won the lottery, and even by just being, you know, awarded Jack Eichel that year, uh, they were kind of, well, they were handed a pretty nice silver medal. Is what I'm saying. And so, you know, fourth pick is a very nice pick. It's a fucking great pick. Lots of great players have picked fourth or later. Uh, but it's not, you know, one, two, or three. And you know, I just I'm very okay with that. And I think awarding them a higher pick would be, uh, it would it would. 
it would feel unmerited, you know? We, it, it's it's just, I, I don't like the idea of, you know, handing them a higher pick like that. It's just, you know, if you get one because you won the lottery, good for you. But, you know, let's stop their picks. Uh, you leave them to luck. And I think it's better that way. I really do. And, you know, uh, I think Detroit, I just they're just whining a bit because they lost. And I think they've lost for a few years in a row now. And they're Many just upset, years, and that's yeah. what it is. Yeah, and so, uh, you know, I, 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 I don't really feel any sympathy for trying to really shake up a system that I think works perfectly fine. But, you know, they lost, and I feel for them in that sense. But to call for change, I, I don't think so. Yeah, when Detroit dropped a fourth of the draft lottery, I think we mentioned how Detroit has statistically been the most jobs team by this this lottery system like they've dropped at least a spot i think every single year since it's introduced except the first year when they were in the playoffs actually 2017 they dropped technically like four spots i think because that's when vegas was coming in and you know was picking before them uh but really three like two spots one spot three spots this year so uh yeah you can understand why they'd be frustrated but but yeah we're not gonna change that change that system up just because the red wings are upset about it and i don't think it's eiserman really because I think after the draft lottery, they went to interview him and he was like, yeah, uh, I knew statistically that there was a 50-50 chance this would happen. So, uh, yeah, I'm not too, not too angry about it. It's probably the owners who I'm not sure who they are now. Still the Illiches, I guess, I think. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah. And it's just that's the thing, right? It's not these are not multiple teams that are being sub- subjected to this fate. It is really just Detroit. Right, and if it's just one team, that means the system's working for the thirty other teams. At least I think so, right? I don't see anybody else complaining this hard other than Detroit. So uh, you know, thirty out of thirty-one—that's like ninety-six percent, ninety-seven percent. I am—I uh, don't think you'll find a success rate with any other system. You know, Colorado actually—they got jobbed out. Well, not not really jobbed. They uh, had the highest odds of the top pick twice, once with their own pick. And once with Ottawa's pick from the Matt Duchesne trade. And uh, they dropped a fourth both times. And I didn't really hear them complaining about it too much. And I mean, they got Kale McCarr the, the first time, who's arguably uh, the best player drafted in that top four. And then the next time they got Bowen Byram. So can't really see how that one pans out yet. But they weren't complaining too much about the this system. Maybe because they you know shouldn't have had that, that Ottawa pick anyway. They kind of lucked into that one. But, uh, but you know what? Detroit, you're not the only ones who have something to complain about. So... So quiet down a little bit. There we go. Okay. All right. Uh, so I guess now 22 minutes in, we'll we'll move to our big thing uh, for the week. And our big thing, which is really not much of a big thing, uh, the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, and so they released a letter. I think it was just like the organization released a letter basically saying, uh, raising the white flag and uh, we're, we're in a rebuild now. And it got some uh, funky reactions, from notably from members of the team. Apparently, you know, just the core is not happy at all about it. I've seen Jonathan Taves' name uh, mentioned a bunch of times. Uh, he was unhappy with, you know, the fact that they don't have a goalie anymore. And also, apparently, he's not, a, he's not happy about this letter either, and I understand it. Uh, but, yeah, it is what it is. And Chicago, I mean, this was probably the right call at this point, wasn't it? Because everybody's old now. And aside from, like, Kubalik, who do they have that's really, really good? Well, Kubalik and Kane. But everybody else, 
kind of really heading into the twilight of their careers. Dave's had a nice postseason, but uh, you know, this team's on the on a slide. And as we just mentioned just now, talking about the lottery and all that, rebuilding is a natural part of a healthy organization's life cycle. And after years and years and years of winning three cups, for crying out loud, uh, it's, it seems like it's Chicago's turn to, to kind of head to the basement for a little while. Yeah, well, okay, so they already do have kind of a, a decent young core that they've started. Kirby Doc, Dylan Strom, Kubelik, Alex Dabrinkit, Adam Boquist on defense, and some other nice defense prospects. But obviously, Jonathan Tears, Patrick Kane, Duncan Keith, that's still... That's, that's the core of the team still, as long as they're there, really. And for Jonathan Taves, for someone who is oft praised in the media, per se, for being, you know, the greatest leader of our generation or whatever, his dissatisfaction about the team and the way the team is run sure seems to be in the news quite often. Like after they lost in 2017, him and I don't know if it was just him or Patrick Kane also, like Stan Bum was like, all right, what do you guys want? And he was like, bring back Brandon Saad. And he said, okay, let me do that. And then they lose Artemi Panarin for Brandon Saad. And now again, you know, Brandon Saad, Chicago, they just traded him. They just didn't sign Corey Crawford. And now we hear Jonathan Tapes again, like, oh, I don't like they're losing Corey Crawford, who's a great goalie and, you know, loyalty and all that stuff. So, I mean, I know Jonathan Tapes, Patrick Kane, of course, like they both have no move clause clauses they're not going anywhere unless they want to and it seems a lot like they don't want to and i mean uh let me check how much longer do they each have on their deals i think they each have four years left on their deals which is not ridiculous but like i don't i don't know like people are saying like it's kind of you know two two sides on this side one you know these are you know the stars your franchise that helped you know lift you up out of out of you know being terrible for a very like 40 years and won three Stanley cups for you as your best two players. And you know, Oh, they actually have three years left. Okay. So three years left for each of them. And like, you know, are you really going to like keep them around after their contracts are done? If you're saying, you know, three years ago we said, Oh, we're going to go in a different direction. So I don't know. Those are really kind of the two, like the elephants in the room. Like, what do you do with those players? Like, I mean, they'll probably be sticking around for the considerable future but as it kind of, you know, like and when guys like to bring it, Kirby Doc, Dylan Strom, well, not as much Dylan Strom, but like, or whoever your high draft picks are within the next couple of years, hopefully, like Taves and Kane are probably, you know, kind of going to start getting in the way when it comes to extending those players and hopefully passing the torch off to them as the, the new faces of the franchise. Yeah. And so, I mean, first of all, you know, I, I find it hard to blame or even, you know, just you know, bl- give any sort of blame uh, to Taves and Kane for, I know they, there were reports that they called for Saad to return. And I think they've traded for him twice now, but like, you know, sure. They want their old buddies back. And it's, it's that for the fucking Stan Bowman's fault for, first of all, caving into them. And then uh, for these demands. And then second of all, making horrific trades in order to cave to those demands. So, uh, you know, uh, sure. You know, I don't blame the fucking, uh, First of all, playing with their old friends. Uh, so, you know, I don't blame them for that. And second of all, you know, look, uh, I just, they, they want to win. They want to win, and that's what it is. And, uh, you know, they're just, uh, I mean, I don't think that, uh, well, first of all, I would maybe have some issue with him taking to the media to air these complaints. Maybe that's not the best leadership move. Uh, but, you know, hey, uh, he's upset. What can I say? And, uh, yeah. I mean, Chicago's clearly, I it's 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 not 
I don't see them competing with with Taves, Kane, and Keith anymore, and and Taves and Kane in particular because Keith is is you know he's not. I don't think he, I don't think he's lasting long much longer than uh, the remaining years of his contract. Uh, and so, you know, do would you would you trade them? I I don't know. Like three years left, but that's the problem, right? Who's who's taking that contract? Uh, at like ten and a half million dollars uh, for each of them. I mean, if you're retaining, maybe, but I don't want to retain for three years. Uh, it's just, I mean, it's the reality of the situation. You kind of locked yourself in there when you signed that massive contract and you got to take the ups and downs with it, right? Uh, if you wanted mobility, you could have taken short-term deals. The fact is you signed a long one, uh, and fuck, you can't expect the team to be contending for what? 10 years in a row. Uh, I mean, you won three cups, you won three cups. Uh, that's more than, than most other teams, more than most other players. Uh, and so... You know, I understand the will to win, but frankly, I think, mm-hmm. yeah, I think Chicago's time is up, and I think it's as simple as that. And yeah, they're just sad about it. I mean, yeah. can you blame them? Not really. Uh, so Chicago actually, they've been involved in three Brandon Saad trades. Uh, the first one, they traded him away to Columbus. They lost to that one because the key piece they got back was Artem Anisimov. Then when they reacquired Brandon Saad, they lost that trade too because they gave away Artemi Panarin. And then this offseason, they traded Brandon Saad to Colorado, the key piece they got back, Nikita Zadorov. So that's three trades you lost in a row involving Brandon Saad. Anyway, I think, yeah, so it is, I, the blame probably does go on Stan Roman for, you know, caving to what Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane, caving to their whim, you know, making them run the team. But I don't think they're going anywhere, first of all, at least not this offseason. Uh, and I think, honestly, what Taves would really be frustrated about isn't so much as the fact like, oh, yeah, our window is done and we're going to start rebuilding now as the Crawford thing. I think that was really like, all right, Crawford, oh, we're going to let you go. We're not going to even try to bring you back. And we're going to have three goalies with extremely minimal NHL experience battle for both spots on our roster. Because, I mean, you look at the rest of the Chicago team, like it's it's pretty similar to the team that just, you know, I mean, they weren't going to make the playoffs, but they beat the Oilers in the playing round and then got got slaughtered by the Golden Knights. But, like, you know, you have, you know, Doc DeBrinkett hopefully making steps, Adam Bocas too. Like, it's feasible the rest of the lineup could actually be maybe a little bit better than last season. But when you have two or, I guess, three, actually, inexperienced goalies, that's really when it's like, oh, yeah, we're throwing in the towel. We're trying to lose. And it doesn't matter how good the rest of our team plays because there's a very good chance none of Malcolm Subban, Kevin Lankinen, or Colin Delia are going to be able to stop much of anything at all. So I think that's probably really where a lot of the frustration from from uh, you know Jonathan Taylor specifically comes in is that they're not even trying to aggressively address the goaltending and it really does look like, yeah, we're going we're gonna to be tanking for the next couple of years because we don't have any goalies. Yeah, I mean, look, what's the easiest way to tank for a team to tank? You just yeah. yank the goaltender. You send him out. You either don't sign one, right? You trade him away. In this case, they just decided, okay, our our guys at UFA, we're just gonna we're gonna let we're gonna sit pat and uh, you know just just sign nobody. Which you know, I don't think any of the other teams really did that. I mean, the Oilers are probably the closest to it, but then they went back and resigned my, uh, Mike Smith. And so you know, I mean, yeah, you you fucking list the names. I haven't heard of the second guy who I presume is new. Uh, Malcolm Subban is. Not very good. Colin Delia is, you know, uh, a pretty bad backup. And so, yeah, I mean, this team is tanking. That's what it is. They're not trying to win. It's clear and obvious uh, because, yeah, the easiest way to tank is by not having a goalie. 
and Chicago really does not have a goalie at all. Uh, and so, I mean, that's what the letter was calling for, right? It's just, uh, uh, we're done here. We're, we're rebuilding, but more than rebuilding, it seems, we're tanking. And apparently, what Stan Bowman wants to do is kind of profit off of the, the mess that ensues from Seattle's expansion and then maybe make like a side deal with the team and then grab a goaltender then uh, like a, from a team that has two goaltenders and they don't want to lose one of them for nothing. And so, you know, apparently that's his plan. But, you know, the question remains, what the hell are they going to do for this year? And apparently the answer is Malcolm Subban and Colin Delia. So uh, it's just, you know, it's uh, it's it's a big tank this year. Uh, and, you know, I, I do I hate the move? I don't I don't hate the move because. You know, you saw them this year. They beat the Oilers, but it's the fucking Oilers for crying out loud. And it's clear that they were not going to make any sort of push. Uh, would the youngsters have benefited from the experience? Maybe. But, you know, you can push that a year. You can push that a year. And maybe even keep them in the minors uh, for a year longer, let them develop even more. And then get a goaltender at the expansion, assuming this works out, of course. Uh, maybe in two years, you will still won't have a goaltender. And then your organization is a hot flaming mess. But... You know, if it works out, uh, you could see yourself with a goaltender. Your prospects have gotten a year to develop even more. And then maybe you start to, you know, push the, okay, we're going to slowly try to make ourselves, uh, make our way out of the basement stage. But, you know, it's clear that they're still heading into the, we're still going into the basement stage, uh, despite the fact that, you know, we had a a nice little bubble run, uh, if you can even call it that. And so... Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a tanking year. It's a tanking year, and it's going to entail a lot of losing because your goalies suck, and Taves isn't happy about it. Uh, is there, is there uh-huh. really anything more to say? Yeah, I'm looking through the teams, uh, trying to find, you know, what team would have two goalies that were both good enough. You're like, we really don't want to lose one in the expansion draft, and we'll try and trade one, get some assets beforehand. The only one that sticks out is Columbus, with corporate, actually no, not even because Elvis Merzlikens is exempt, so I can't really find any team that would be like, oh, we really something like you know, about uh, uh, Anaheim, the situation they were in in 2016 with Frederick Anderson and John Gibson. Like these are two really good potentially starting goalies, and so we don't want to lose one to Vegas next year, so we'll trade Frederick Anderson to Toronto while we can. And I don't see a situation like that arising this time, and maybe it's just because all the teams are you know better prepared than last time, or if it's because they're like, hey, you know what? If we lose our second best goalie, we lose our second best goalie. And I don't see a situation where anyone's going to be extremely desperate to get out of a jam. I mean, Dallas, they've got Bishop and Hudobin, but like if they lose Anton Hudobin, who's going to be 35 next year, like, is that really too heartbreaking for them? Like, not really. And not to mention, like, that's probably not the goalie 35 year old Anton Hudobin Chicago wants to target as a rebuilding team for their goalie for the foreseeable future so if that is Stan Bowman's plan uh I don't really see I don't really see it working out too well I mean um Rangers have your oh Igor Shesterkin no never mind because he's exempt too so not the Rangers uh I don't know what their long-term plan for goaltending is maybe they'll try to sign a free agent next year or something I don't know but uh looks like they don't because they don't really even have any uh like good goaltending prospects in the in the system now, I don't think. Let me check. Uh, obviously, they would have liked to get a scare off, but unfortunately, they were picking 17th overall, and a scare off was gone by then. And I don't know if they drafted any goalie. Oh yeah, they drafted Drew Comesso in the second round in the U.S. Development Program. So maybe he can turn out. Who knows? Never know with goalies. But uh, I mean, 
Drew Camesso, if that's your slam dunk goalie of the future, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, that's what I, it's a nice plan in theory, right? Fishing for expansion goalies. But, yeah. You, I mean, if you can't pull it off in practice, yeah, you're still fucked. So, uh, you know, we'll see. We'll see with Stan Bowman. But, uh, I mean, he's still here. That's kind of funky, right? I mean, you talk about those sod trades. He's had a pretty bad history of trades in the last few years. I mean... I guess because he's won them the cups, but I'm—is he the guy to lead them out uh, of this rebuild? I mean, he's been here a long time, and I don't know. I think you think the time might be up on this guy soon. Uh, it should be I at least. I don't think he's gonna get fired anytime soon. But yeah, go ahead. Should it be? Yeah, yeah. I think he's done a pretty bad job because I mean, we're we're t- looking at how Chicago looks now, and we're saying rebuilding is the smart thing, but especially after they got swept by Nashville in 2017. Stan Bowen made a, a series of moves that really accelerated that that descent to the basement because they really they had just, you know, uh, I think they won the Western Conference that year. I don't know if they won the President's Trophy. They were still one of the best teams in the NHL. And then they just kind of, you know, threw it all away, overreacting to a, to a bad slump in, in April. And, I mean, they could have still, if they, you know, kept the team together a bit more, you know, kept superstar player Artemi Panarin around, then I think they could have very possibly made another another run. Instead, I think they missed the playoffs the very next season, which, uh, you know, they haven't made it. Well, they made it back this year, but they wouldn't have made it back since then if it were a regular season. So I think Stan Bowman's time should be up. I can't tell if this is a situation where it's like, all right, Stan Bowman will let you take the first year of this rebuild. And then as we hopefully start to maybe, you know, find a bit of direction, that's when we'll bring someone else in. Also, you know, when times are a bit more stable or if this is like a Mark Bergevin situation where it's like, all right, you did phase one of your your tenure here. Time for phase two. See if you can build this team again. Obviously, it's a much higher level because Montreal and Mark Bergevin have not won three Stanley Cups. Mm. But I'm not, I'm not, I think one of those two, I think either Chicago expects that like, all right, yeah, you're kind of, your time's pretty much done here, Stan Bowman. And they're like, nope, we're, we're, you're in it. You're our guy for the long haul for the next 15 years. I think it might be the second one, honestly. Uh, and like, because, okay, so there's three outcomes here. If the rebuild starts to turn around and they start, you know, getting up and up, I don't see them replacing Stan Bowman because if you're starting to gain momentum, it's hard to fire him. I'm not saying it's the wrong move to fire him. I'm saying it's hard in terms of optics, and I don't think it's likely uh, if, you know, uh, they're they're trying to make the push out of the basement and if they're taking steps forward. I mean, even if they're marginal steps, I think Stan Bowman stays. I think the only way this really ends up in his firing the next, what, two, three years is, you know, if all goes to hell. And, and uh, you know, that's not, that's not, that's not a, an impossible outcome at this point, right? And we just discussed their goaltending situation. Who knows what the fix is there? And among other things, I mean, this team is kind of crumbling well, at some points anyways. But, you know, they have that young core. But if all falls to shit, this guy's out the door, obviously. His time's up. Uh, and some people, like, we think that. But clearly the ownership doesn't really yet. Uh, but a few more years, and I think they just might. Uh, but uh, I, I don't know. I, I don't really see that happening either. I think he gives them just enough hope to kind of keep him on. Uh, and I think he gets the second shot. I mean, fuck, if, if Chicago or if Montreal had enough faith in Bergevin to give him uh, an arguably undeserved second, you know, second part of his tenure. I mean, I think I think the, I think I think the Chicago uh, ownership group has a attachment to this guy because he uh, was the GM for those three cups. 
And I think they're giving him another shot. I don't think it's the right move. I think it's time to bring in a new guy. Uh, but I mean, I'm 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 putting I'm I'm putting it down in pen right now. This guy's staying in for another few years, at least five. Five is my take. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I think um, well, GMs obviously in general, you know, tend to stick around longer than they should, and I think this was probably probably no different. It's probably time to go in a different direction. And I mean. Look, yeah, okay, you have the detachment to Stan Bowman because he won all these these Stanley Cups for you. But, I mean, first of all, a lot of people, he wasn't even there when they drafted Kane and Taves. Not that that was, like, some sort of genius move. Those were both top three picks. Uh, and it wasn't, you know, extremely hard work to make those draft picks. But, like, I mean, sure, he put nice complimentary pieces around them for their, their Stanley Cups. But, like, I don't know. Was it that much of a difficult thing to do to build a champ build a championship team out of Taves and Kane. I mean, Shirelli sure struggled with it with McDavid and Dreisaitl. Ken Holland seems to be struggling with it too. So maybe Stan Bowman is some sort of, you know, genius on how to build a team. Uh but uh but I don't know. I, I just feel like, yeah, sure, you you won Stanley Cups, but I think that we talk this isn't just about GMs, honestly. Like now that now that I think of it. Like players all the time too, coaches all the time too. Even not even just NHL, like championship pedigree. Like if it, if a player wins the Memorial Cup, they're gonna be labeled as like a winner throughout most of their entire career, so long as they don't you know turn into Taylor Hall and win two playoff games for their for their first eleven seasons. Yeah, I mean, wasn't Dale Talon the one who built that team, uh, and then like he left or he got fired or something, and then like the next year. Uh, like they won the cup under Bow- Bowman. I think their first cup was like a year after Talon had left, and he like built most of the team uh, and the court. So yeah, I don't know exactly yeah. when Talon had left, but I uh, I think that is pretty close to the to the real story. Yeah, and so you know maybe he got uh, maybe he stole some of Talon's credit, and I mean yeah he he did he did I mean they he did win a cup five years five years into his tenure uh, in 2015. But man, yeah, you're right. A lot of these you know reputations. Uh, or yeah, reputations, they, they stick long, especially the ones where like, you know, fuck, we just saw Bergevin get two guys because they fucking won a cup two years, uh, or not, not, not two guys, but, uh, Joel Edmondson, uh, back to him and Jake Allen, uh, our week, our two weekly guys. segment on Joel Edmondson and Jake Allen, <laughs> two guys who won a cup two years ago. And, and notably, I Foley also won a cup. That's true. That's true. Uh, and those two guys in particular, Edmondson and Allen, I mean, they didn't play a particularly big role. I mean, Allen played some games, I'm pretty sure, uh, to start the playoffs, I think it was. Or did he not at all? I mean, had been in I think he played a bit the in the happened? later rounds, actually. I think he played a, okay. like, a couple games. Yeah, but Edmondson was not a key part of that team. I mean, fuck's sake. The guy barely <laughs> played. Uh, and he was like on the third pair. Uh, so, uh, you know, uh, I mean, if you need a, just a glaring example for the Habs, uh, Joel Edmondson, are you kidding me? This guy's your cup pedigree? Uh, complete joke. Uh, anyways, that concludes this week's Joel Edmondson segment. Uh, but uh, yeah, uh, it's just I agree. Uh, for a lot of it, it's just no. You win, winning gets you far. Winning gets you too far, I think. Uh, because uh, yeah, you know, d- players get long ass deals uh, because they had a nice little playoff run. They get paid for past production. You know, coaches uh, get. You know, you 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 win a few rounds, uh, and yeah. that's that. So, I mean, I agree, but. Uh, I mean, for for Chicago, I think I think time's up on this guy because, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't. What moves has he really made that even even in this Cup years that like 
You know, you were like, wow, Stan Bowman, what a legend. I mean, he just who won cups the, with a team that somebody had already built for him. Who was the player he acquired for that first round pick in 20? Michael Hanzus. 2015, he traded the first round pick for Michael Hanzus. And then they, and it was like, that's ridiculous. And then they won the Stanley Cup. So no one cares. And I mean, they shouldn't care. But, you know, still in, in, uh, at the time, I was like, really? First rounder for Michael Hanzus? I don't know. Uh, anyway, so you were right. Stan Bowman took over uh, July tw- 2009, and they won the Cup in 2010. So it really was his first year on the job. Uh, I've got the Wikipedia page for NHL GMs pulled up. Can you guess the three general managers who are longer tenured than Stan Bowman? Ooh, longer tenure. Um, well, there's David Poyle, right? Yep, since 1997. Uh, oh, boy. <laughs> Holy shit. We don't give enough credit for the guy for sticking around so, for so fucking long. Like, okay. Anyways, David Poyle. And making it past the uh, second round like once or maybe like yeah, twice. Right. <laughs> Incredible. Incredible. That guy knows how to keep a job. Uh, okay. Uh, Mark Bergevin was after, right? Was he? He was like 2011? Or... Yeah, not him. He was 2012. Okay, 2012. Uh, so longer stretches. Uh, okay. I, I don't freaking know, man. Uh, David Poyle is the one guy that comes to mind. Jim Rutherford? Nope. Because he, well, nope. he joined Pittsburgh in 2014. Before that, he was with, okay. uh, Carolina. All right. Uh, I don't know, man. Who's, who's been good recently? I mean, so yeah, Pittsburgh's once I've got LA, but no, they just made a GM change pretty recently. Uh, I, I, I no, not Toronto. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Or, I'm gonna tell oh, you. Oh, 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 the San oh. Jose guy. Yeah, Doug Martin. Not Doug Martin. Or I don't know who Doug Martin is. <laughs> What's his name? Oh my God. Uh, You're Doug quite Wilson. close. Doug Wilson. Doug Wilson. Yeah, that's the <laughs> one. Doug Martin. What am I doing? All right. Yeah. Let me look Doug up Wilson. Doug Martin. See who guy? comes up. Yeah, there's one more. <laughs> okay. Doug Wilson, I'm by the way, has been tenured with the Sharks. He's been their GM since 2003. Doug Martin is a, apparently a, a running back. He's a free, <laughs> currently a free agent. Drafted by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the 2012 draft. There's okay, your answer. Sure that's who I was thinking of. All right, thank you. Okay, so so please enlighten me. Enlighten me. Who is... Uh, uh, Bob Murray guy? has been GM of the Ducks since 2008. Bob Murray. Wow, okay. That guy knows how to keep a job as well. Because... Yeah. They've been nice. They've been solid, but like, have they won a cup? Uh, uh, they won the a cup, cup like a year before Ottawa. Bob Murray appeared. Right. Yeah. Um, against Ottawa, right? That was the the year they beat Ottawa yeah. in the final. Uh, uh, so, man. Okay. Yeah. I mean, arguably, all three of those guys, they should be gone pretty soon. I would say no. Yes, I would agree with you. On uh, yeah, all four of them. Maybe not Bob Murray. He's done a pretty good job with the. Re- rebuilding the Ducks with, uh, you know, Gesslaff and Perry kind of getting to the end of their primes. But the other three, Bowman, Wilson, Poyle, I think their time's up. I, I know you have the yeah. trivia for today for me, but I have uh, one more question to ask you based on this GM Boy. page. Okay. Uh, right. How many NHL GMs never played a pro career? <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. That's fun. Um, I, you know, I can't imagine it's many. I can't imagine it's more than half. I'm going to say like eight. Uh, the correct answer is 10 of these GMs never played a pro oh, career. The man. other 21 have. Uh, the 10 who have never played pro okay. are Stan Bowman, Doug Armstrong, Jeff Gorton, Pierre Dorian, 
Kyle Dubas, Lula Morello, Julian Brisebois, Chuck Fletcher, Kelly McCrimmon, and Bill Zito have all never played pro hockey according to Wikipedia. Yeah, wow. Okay. Well, that's that's pretty wild. <laughs> 21 former players. You know, I'm surprised given his lore, Lou Lamorello was never a player. But, uh, I mean, I don't, <laughs> yeah. He's not, it doesn't really fit the bill of an NHL player, anyways. Uh, but, uh, yeah. Well, he, played, okay. oh, he played college hockey, though. Uh, oh, no, wait. Wow. Never mind. It said on his no. Wikipedia page, I clicked on it, it said college hockey career. And it starts Lamorello became head coach of the Providence College Friars men's ice hockey team in 1968. So I uh, no, never played pro. Ah, yeah, that's like yeah. that's fifty years ago. Um, the Beatles had wow. not broken up yet. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, okay. Uh, so uh, some wild shit going on, and uh, that's that's not many. So uh, okay. So that that's I think that concludes our uh, Chicago Blackhawks slash way too long GMs uh, a little bit there. Uh, did you want to talk about the World Series? I think you mentioned that before we started. Oh, yeah. Just like if we were running out of stuff to talk about, I was like, oh, wasn't that such a cool play? And it was. For anyone who didn't see it, uh, you should go watch it because I don't feel like describing it. Okay. All right. It was a cool play. Um, and for a World Series, that was kind of boring uh, up until that point. Ah, it was a nice, uh, it was, it was, yeah, it was a cool play. It was fucking wild. And so, uh, you know, yeah. every World Series needs a thing. And so, uh, who's your pick for the World Series right now? It's 2-2, so make your pick. Uh, well, let me tell you, I am not lying or exaggerating when I say I have only watched that play of the World Series, and I watched it on my Twitter feed. I have no idea which team is favored. I could name you one player on either team, and that's Clayton Kershaw. Uh, and because of that, I'll pick the Dodgers. But on the other hand, the Rays were considering playing half their season in Montreal at one point, which is pretty cool. But uh, I'll I'll com- I'll commit to my my first pick, the LA Dodgers. That's my prediction. Okay, all right, I'll pick them too. I uh, apparently, you know, the the Rays, their general manager, or no, not their general manager, their owner, uh, is 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 a bit of a cheap shit. So uh, you know, like he doesn't spend uh, money on his team, and so you know, uh, we love giving players contracts here. So uh, I'm picking <laughs> the Dodgers as well. Uh, despite you know, spoiler alert for last night's game, they they did choke that in a pretty spectacular fashion. Uh, so, Are you uh, telling okay. me that base uh, the baseball's version of Eugene Melnick has made the World Series? <laughs> Just about. I mean, well, actually, to be fair, he d- this this guy did invest in like a heck ton of analytics, uh, which okay, and like yeah. scouting, like they, you know, like you know, Moneyball, like you know, like uh-huh. the Oakland Athletics, and that's how they they basically moneyballed the whole thing. But like you know, they they paid their analytics staff, but like they didn't pay their players. You feel? Uh, so oh, yeah, yeah. you know, know, okay. So not quite Eugene Melnick, as in like he actually invested in his front office. Uh, but I guess similar in that fashion. Um, I feel like I've had this this perception for a while that like analytics arguments and analytics debates were pretty much the same across all sports. But like I've come to the realization differently. It's a little different in baseball because you know apparent all these new analytics discoveries in baseball are actually making the game noticeably less fun to watch. Whereas in hockey, that's not happening. If anything, the opposite is happening in hockey. And baseball, that's one of the reasons there's more pushback against it in baseball is because, you know, with like, I don't know, the, the outfielders moving around all the time. And uh, like, I wasn't like in game two, wasn't 
didn't one team use like a bunch of pitchers near the beginning of the game and it was like slowing it down, making it less fun to watch, even though it was analytically the smart thing to do. Yeah, you're right. Uh, you know, it's just they use more pitchers, they do the shift way more often, and I mean they're maximizing efficiency, right? Uh, or efficiency in like in terms of winning. And so are games more boring or less entertaining? I would I would tend to agree. I would tend to agree. But I mean, what are you gonna do, right? Like, like, uh, I mean, that's just that's just the way it is. So, wait, like, I understand there's a pushback against analytics, but it's here, and I don't, I don't see it going anywhere, right? Because if you don't use analytics, you lose. That's just, you know, well, mostly, anyways, right? So, I mean, you know, is there a cost to to to, to the onslaught of analytics? Sure, there is, but frankly, it's inevitable because more than anything, teams just don't just want to be entertained. Their first priority is to win, right? win and make money mm-hmm. so and frankly analytics lets you do that uh, uh, better than really ever before does it reveal some sort of like deep flaw in the sport of baseball that the more we learn about it the worse it gets <laughs> maybe i mean maybe it's just inherently boring and uh you know <laughs> once you get to the <laughs> i mean i can't say i can't say i've watched much of the world series either you know to be totally honest or really much of baseball this whole season, you know, we talked about we talked about baseball like you know a, a few months ago, right? When there were completely there were a complete tire fire in terms of COVID cases, uh, mm-hmm. and since then, like just the fact that the season is basically over already is completely absurd to me. I think it's hilarious. Uh, it's just I have not paid any attention to baseball until the World Series, uh, and then it's like, whoa, we're already we're already at the World Series. What the what the hell happened? Uh, and uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, baseball, frankly. It can be fun, but most of the time, I just think it's it just pales in comparison to the other three sports. I mean, it is what it is. Uh, you know, I understand a lot, tons of people like it, but you know, saying four hours where half of it is you know preparing, watching uh, the pitcher prepare to pitch is uh, I don't know. It's not my cup of tea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I've talked about this. I don't know if I mentioned this on the show here, but obviously, it's no secret that in the world at large. Uh, people's attention spans are getting shorter and shorter, largely due to the the cell phone epidemic, and that maybe the fact that people's attention spans are getting shorter uh, creates an opening in the sports world to create. I thought of this for hockey, a three on three league where all, all the games are twenty minutes long, of like you know everyone loves watching three on three, and obviously you know I don't have the means to turn this into a reality or anything, but like the idea of you know the NHL had the WHA as competition in nineteen eighties. Uh, or the 70s around there, I think. Not too brushed up on the history of everything, all the dates. But what if there was a league that was like 20-minute games, three-on-three, and then like draft-eligible players or something could choose which league they wanted to play in? Like, wouldn't that that would be the coolest thing that like these 20-minute games, you know, like where you don't have to make a three-hour commitment to, to watch your favorite team play. And I feel like baseball could really benefit from something like that. Maybe, you know, like, I don't know, a three-inning game or something where... I don't know. I've thought of like a lot of different possible rule changes for bit, not rule changes necessarily, but just like, Oh, what if it was like this? What if it was like that? What if there were, I don't know, in, instead of what if like, cause obviously, okay, we're getting into some strange baseball talk here, but hear me out. Okay. So obviously in baseball, when you, let's say there's a ground ball and they throw the guy out at first. Now there's one out. And also there's no runner on first base. What if there was still the run, the runner got to stay on first base, but there was still one out. So basically 
you have to get to th- you get to three outs, but the runners are allowed to stay there the whole time. Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay. Okay. So the make- goal is to not to get the runners off the base bats, but to just collect outs, right? Yeah, you're just collecting you're outs. Yeah. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. But you can't actually okay. make the runners leave. Right. But I think the issue here. So you can actually get the same. Yeah. I was gonna say you can actually get the same runner out three times, right. but yeah. But go ahead, say what you're gonna say. The game's fucking long. The game's too long, is what it is. You know, it's just like I get bored. I get freaking bored watching. And even if there were more runs, you know, I mean, like, look, a boring one nothing baseball game is, you know, if a twelve eleven baseball game can be pretty boring too, especially if you know you just gotta, you know, I understand it could be more exciting, more points. Who's against that? Uh, we're for that in hockey as well. But, you know, it's just, uh, you know what? Maybe actually that might work. Now that I think about it, the worst part of baseball is when it's just like you have a full inning where it lasts like 15 minutes, 20 minutes, and like there are no runs. And you're just like, why the hell did I watch that inning? And, you know, maybe if there were more runs and more lead changes, maybe you're onto something. I know know for your hockey ideas. All right, okay. Here's one of my genius baseball ideas. All right, picture you're allowed to have... Up to two runners on one base at a time. <laughs> okay, all right. Is this is this does like this it? come in conjunction with your previous idea, or is this just two base runners at the same like? Not necessarily. Does, does this one is kind of a, okay. Not necessarily. Right. This one's kind of a separate thing. But like, a, you have a runner on first and second, and then the runner on first can steal second base, and now you have two runners on second. It's brilliant. <laughs> I love it so much. <laughs> sure. What the hell? You got you got to call. You gotta call up the commissioner of the MLB uh, and yeah. serve up these, uh, these hot cookies. <laughs> these hot cookies, hell yeah! Uh, <laughs> because uh, you know, I think I think uh, I think they they ended up shortening some of the games this year, right? Uh, to like seven innings because because of the yeah. COVID, and like they had to add double headers, so many more double headers, and like seven innings. So they did it, and I didn't see you know. Well, I admittedly I didn't follow baseball much, but I mean I didn't see ma- any major complaints about the seven inning games. Uh, so. You know, maybe reduce it to like three innings. Maybe that's what we're looking for here. A, th- a good old three inning baseball game, uh, kind of similar to your three on three. Funny, you know, that wouldn't be a bad idea either. Because not only is there like a novelty aspect, but I think even after the novelty wears off, it's like it's fun hockey, right? Like it's just <laughs> three on three, twenty minutes, everybody's zipping. Uh, I would go for that. Uh, so wait, it's not overtime though, right? It's just you're just playing three on three. Yeah, just 20 a twenty minute game. Yeah. I could, I could, I would watch that. I would, I would at least, I would at least give it a try. Uh, and uh, yeah, all right, pretty and, good. Uh, the, uh, the baseball yeah. one. I was gonna. What if it was like so? Three innings is obviously way shorter than nine innings. What if it was like three innings, but the only change is instead of three outs, it's like seven, and then now there are more opportunities for players to round the bases, and it's harder to actually close out the inning. It would probably, you know, the innings would each last way longer, of course, but there are only three of them. That's 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 not bad. That's not bad, right? Sports that could be like, what, Twenty-one outs, twenty-one outs, and that's about the same outs as in seven seven inning, seven inning game. But you know, I think it might be spicier. I think it just might be spicier, because uh, frankly, the fourth inning and the fifth inning of a baseball game, who the fuck cares, right? <laughs> like, I get it's an opportunity to, to to score some runs, but like, frankly. Unless you're scoring like seven runs, which happens like once every two months, who gives a shit? Uh, so you know, uh, it's time to amend that by abolishing those innings. All right. I think we can both agree nine in- nine innings is simply way too much. No, it's a fucking atrocity. Are you kidding me? It's just uh, yeah. it's yeah, it's, it's it's just 
Okay, it's too much. Uh, it's too much to watch. I mean, I'm sure. Like that's the thing, right? You don't really run much in baseball. But, like you know, not much, anyways. Like you come to bat once every what three innings or maybe two and a half. Uh, mm-hmm. so, but uh, I mean, so I understand the ability to go nine innings, but just because you can doesn't mean you should. Is what I'm saying. So uh, uh, Jurassic Park, yeah. right? Uh, just that? because it's our, from Jurassic Park, where this, this or he was, uh, who was the character? I don't remember where the famous line. I've seen Jurassic Park like once. Where it was like the scientists were so preoccupied with whether or not they could, they, they didn't think about whether or not they should. And I think the exact same thing applies to Jurassic Park as it does to baseball. Just because you can play for nine innings without getting too tired doesn't mean it's the smart thing to do. There we go. All right. So now that we fixed baseball in its entirety. Shall we move to the quiz? Yes, sir. Yeah, it's great to, you know, contribute to society here on Fusion and Hockey Podcast by fixing baseball. Hell yeah. Absolutely. Okay. All right. So my quiz this week, uh, it's another slam poetry edition. Uh, and this time, I got I got some poems about some bad contracts. And you get to, <laughs> right. and, and these are contracts of active players. Potentially, you might see some not active players. So inactive players, I should say. Uh, oh. And... You know, just I got some poems, and you got to name who I'm thinking about, uh, and got ten questions, got ten bad contracts. These the bad contract, the bad part of bad contracts is subjective, of course. I get to decide if they're bad or not. So, yes. uh, you know, just a heads up. Okay, all right. So I guess we'll set a bar before we start. Sure. Yeah, it's been a while since what I've do done a think? quiz. It's it's been like yep. like about a month, I think. Uh, I guess we'll go with seven. That seems to be our normal bar. That's good. I, I okay. agree. All right. Okay. Seven is the seven is uh, the bar right now. Um, hmm, one sec. Give me a second. I'm going to readjust the question order because uh, I like this one here. All right. Okay. Okay. So here we wow, go. Wow, really all, taking care of one. all the details. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Uh, 42 million in total money seems totally lame for this current member of the Calgary Flames. Milan Lucic. There we go. It's a nice easy one to start it off. Uh, how should I, I even saw the rhyme coming from a mile away. Yeah, my bad. All right, okay. All right. <laughs> okay. It's all right. It's all right. Next one. Next one. Next one. Okay. We're going to get harder here. Signed relatively recent, recently, this contract is hot trash. Giving a pretty low-scoring power forward $38.5 million is rather brash. <laughs> Please repeat that one. Signed relatively recently, this contract is hot trash, giving a pretty low-scoring power forward $38.5 million is rather brash. Josh Anderson, I just wanted to count up the 5.5 times 7 to make sure it lined up, and it certainly did. Josh Anderson. There we go. Josh Anderson had to get in a Bergevay dig in this quiz. Um, It was a prerequisite. Okay, next up. Not too sure what the blue saw in him to give him a seven-year, $42 million contract. It's basically a sin. Wow, him and sin, a near rhyme. I won't, we'll let it slide. Uh, I, I don't think, no, Tory Krug, I, first of all, I don't think that's a bad contract. And also, I think he's getting six and a half per and not six. Now, Justin Falk... That's where I thought you were going, but I'm. Is he getting exactly six, per by seven? 
Uh, ooh, I don't think so. I think he's also getting six and a half. I feel like they're both getting six and a half. Um, so, but on the other hand, I can't think of anyone else on the Blues who's getting that amount of money. Oh, man. Krug, Falk. You know, I'm going to say, I guess maybe I'm just misremembering the Justin Falk AAV. I'll go with uh, Justin Falk. Yeah, okay. It turns out I was wrong on this one. I misremembered the Justin Falk contract. <laughs> okay, okay. It's seven, seven years, $45 million, I think it was. Anyways, okay. it was six and a half. So, it was six and a half. Worse. My bad. Uh, so, you know, okay. We're, we're okay. Pretty good. Pretty good. Three for three so far. Um, maybe I thought this, this quiz would be harder than it actually is. So, you know, get ready for an adjustment in three weeks. Uh, you're getting a banger. Okay. All right. All right. I can't Here we wait. Go. Okay. Did $51.5 million from the Rangers take its toll? Because this Alaskan center would soon go a full year without a goal. Alaskan center Scott Gomez. <laughs> yeah. All right. That's that's it. Damn. Okay. Four for four. Four for four. Damn. All right. Um, uh, oh man. Scott Gomez, that was fun. That gold drought was so much fun. That Scott Gomez oh, gold drought. I remember once I actually, uh, for I think my 10th birthday party, I had like some of my friends over and we watched uh, the Canadians and Jets were playing an afternoon game. And we all went crazy when we thought Scott Gomez broke his uh, goal scoring streak, but someone else actually deflected the puck in front of the net. And uh, it wasn't to be. Uh (laughs) That's a fun birthday activity. (laughs) The Scott Gomez drought. You gotta love it. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Wow. This man really. Okay, what an atrocious trade. Uh, all right. The Habs really acquired the man. Uh, okay. Yep. Habs legend, Scott Gomez. 15 years is way too long. Before it was halfway done, this forward was already gone. Ooh, this forward was already gone. Ooh. Um, was it Kovalchuk? Uh, I feel like that was like 17 years, though. Or maybe that was like an initial offer or something. I was thinking Rick DiPietro, but that's not a forward. It's either Kovalchuk or like Brad Richards is coming to mind, but I don't think that was a 15-year deal. I think it was Kovalchuk, Ilya Kovalchuk. That's right, Ilya Kovalchuk. And for 15 years, the initial offer was 17, and then they knocked it down because the NHL didn't like it. And the NHL didn't like the 15-year either, and so they still got that penalty. All right. Moving imagine on. a seventeen-year so, contract for anything in the entire world. Like, so, imagine any oh sort God. of seventeen-year-long commitment. Like, yeah, I've barely man, been alive like, for that long. Right, like a baby who was born uh, the day that contract is signed. Theoretically, a seventeen-year contract. I mean, they're seventeen years old by the time that's over. They could have like, their driver's license. They can have their driver's license. They can basically drink. Um, wow. And if my team had Ilya Kovalchuk. For 17 years, I would drink. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's it's rough. It's rough, but I wait, mean, what year was that contract signed? Was that like 2009? I'll check one sec. Uh, because if it was, then there would still be four years left on that, and Kovalchuk's already like so. That was gonna a 17 year deal would have had him till he was like 44, but I think that was one of those like would have been one of those like super back diving contracts that like the money tails off dramatically in the past like three years, which keeps the cap hit down. And also, you know, there's an agreement that he's going to retire at that point. 
which those kind of kinds of contracts, obviously, they can't really happen anymore with the new CBA. But uh, they were pretty popular for a while. Duncan Keith still has one. Henrik Zetterberg had one. He retired like right before uh, the his salary dropped. So yeah, I think Shea Weber maybe too. Actually, I'm not sure. So yeah, he signed in 2010, uh, and 17 years would have taken to 2027. Instead, this 15 year one takes him to 2025. Was terminated obviously a few years ago, like seven years ago when he left uh, to go to the KHL. But uh, yeah, I mean you're you're right. It was one of those backdiving deals. It was why they were penalized in the first place because the deal wasn't very cap compliant or like mm-hmm. cap rules compliant. Uh, so yeah, that's that's Ilya Kovalchuk for you. Um, yep. So he would have been 43 have in that now. final season of a of a 17 year contract. 43. That's that's wild. Um, <laughs> hey, yeah, that's <laughs> magic committing to a guy for 17 years. That's wow. I mean, obviously the agreement is that he doesn't last 17 years, but like, hot damn! All right. Still. Wow. Question. So already five for five, tearing it up. Awesome. Just tearing it up. Uh, 15 years is way too long. Before it was halfway done, this other player. Was also already gone. Ooh. Hmm. Now, because Brad Richards was the other player I was thinking of, maybe it was Brad Richards, but I think he was already like around 30 when he signed that deal with the Rangers. And I know he got bought out, or like, he got a compliance buyout like two years later. Uh, so there's no cap it, luckily for New York. But I don't know if it was quite that long. Wait, can you repeat the, the poem, please? 15 years is way too long. Before it was halfway done, this other player was also already gone. Okay, this other player. So not necessarily a forward. I'm going to go with Rick DiPietro. There we go. We got our All right. two longest ever contracts in the NHL, and neither of them really worked out. Kovacek At all. and uh, our boy, Ricky, Ricky D. Ricky Both former DiPietro. first overall picks. Wow. What's the show? Don't sign your players to 15-year contract if it wasn't already obvious. <laughs> um, <laughs> even if it was allowed. Yeah, even if it was allowed. Which, you know, wow. I mean, they really robbed us in that CBA, banning those, like, capping it at eight years. I mean, like, yeah. come on. Come on. How many think, ridiculous like, deals would we have I think the GMs knew they couldn't handle themselves. Yeah? No, the owners, I think, were the ones who were like, no, please, I, I don't need, I can't have it be in the rule book for my general manager to sign a 15-year contract. <laughs> Uh, and I think actually at the time and then the new CBA, like what the, the owners really wanted was like five-year contract, year, five-year limits. And they're like, this is the hill we're dying on. And then it got pushed to, you know, uh, seven or eight if you're, if the team already has your rights, uh, which is, it seems like no one really minds it that much. And honestly, I think if they changed it to no limit, I really don't think we would see that many longer than eight-year contracts anymore. But uh, I don't know, maybe they'd get carried away again. Who's to say? Yeah, how many years? Yeah, I just asked. How many years would Carey Price get? If oh, uh, he was well, he was already third. I don't think he would have gotten much, much more than eight. Maybe like nine. Man, I think he goes for ten. I think he goes for ten. Uh, if <sighs> there's no limit, I think Bergevin caves. Yeah, that's right. Uh, smart contract. Um, and Josh okay. Anderson, of course, would have gotten a twenty-five years contract. Oh yeah, Are you kidding me? Would have taken him to his till he's uh, ninety-two. Uh, and he'd still probably score uh, the same number of points as he did last year. All right. Wow. Um, 
Yeah, that's right. Cheap shot. Who cares? Um, I'm still salty. Forever salty about that deal. All right. Forever question, salty. what, seven now? Um, okay. Yeah. The King signed this man to a 10-year deal. At this point, the $55.8 million contract has lost all appeal. <laughs> well, I thought it was going to be like not a steal, but I like yours way better. Uh, I think it's one of it's either Jeff Carter or Dustin Brown, and I don't know for, for, how much was the the total value you said. Fifty five point eight million dollars. Fifty five point eight million dollars, and it's a ten year deal, which means the AAV is five point five eight. Uh, I think Brown oh, and Carter are both. Hmm? I, I misread the number. Fifty eight million. My bad. Oh, so it's 5.8. Okay. Uh, that doesn't help much, to be honest. I feel like Brown and Carter are both around that uh, that level. But I'll guess I'll go with Dustin Brown. I feel like 10-year deal is something he did. Okay. So, Dustin Brown. All right. First mistake. Um, they're both. It's neither of your options. It's uh, oh. We're just talking about goaltenders. It's uh, Jonathan oh, Quick. Oh, Jonathan Quick. Oh, of course, of course. Terrible, terrible deal. I think they still have three <sighs> years left on that one. Uh, yeah, feels bad. Boss okay. that one. Yeah. All right, eight. Uh, at this point, this defenseman's a healthy scratch. At least he's got his cup rings and fifty-five million dollar contract to smooth over this rough patch. Wow. Okay. The uh, the rhythmic scheme was a little bit a little bit suspect there, but I guess I'll let it slide. Uh, hey, I'm going to guess. Work. I'm going to guess Brent Seabrook. There we go. Oh boy. Uh, yeah. That's correct. Notice healthy scratch. Brent Seabrook. Yep. I don't think Caves. I think Caves, Caves was unhappy about that too, apparently, right? Like, wasn't yeah, there a report the, that came out that, like, he didn't like that either? That was the other thing I was going to, I was going to mention. Yeah. He was, and it was like, yo, stuff's got to change around here. And apparently, like, he went home, right? Like, because he was on LTIR, and I think he still is. He, I think it's a pretty good chance he never plays in the NHL again. And, one of the other defensemen on the team, it was like I don't know Calvin DeHaan or I don't remember who, was like, yeah, he's he's gonna be missed dearly around here, talking as if he died. Like I don't know, very strange. <laughs> okay, I didn't see that, or I don't remember. All right, um, last question. You've already hit. You've already hit seven. Um, nice. So clearly the difficulty uh, toggle was set a bit too low for this one. But hey, good <laughs> stuff. Um, here we go. Question number nine. $56 million in 2017 for this former member of the Canadian Olympic team. This defenseman's slow play at both ends certainly isn't the dream. <laughs> well, that was like four lines long. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> it certainly, certainly isn't the dream. Okay. Uh, but can you repeat the poem, please? A lot okay, to take $56 in. $56 million in 2017 for this former member of the Canadian Olympic team. This defense and slow play at both ends certainly isn't the dream. I think you're talking about Mark Edward Vlasic. Hey, that's right. Um, yeah, spicy contract. Certainly is not spicy, the dream. You are correct. Spicy contract. There we go. Aside from that error uh, on that on the on the what was it? Justin Falk deal. No lies so far. No lies so far. All right, here okay, we go. Okay. Last one. I would say I would say they've all been bad contracts. Would you agree? I definitely would agree. Okay, perfect. All right, here we go. Of his long ass contract, he's heading into his fourth, and already on this same deal, he's played for two teams in the North. 
Ooh, hmm. He's on his fourth year. Yes. Okay. Of, of this just wanted to just wanted to make sure it wasn't like open for interpretation or anything. Uh, already on his fourth. Uh, well. Oh, he's heading hmm. into his fourth. Sorry, my bad. Oh, heading into his fourth. Okay. I was like, it's probably not Lucic again, because <laughs> I mean, he's played for the Oilers and Flames. Uh, but that one doesn't work also because you've already used him and he's heading into his fifth year of his contract. Um, not James Neal. He's heading into his third year. I'm quite certain. Uh, Toronto, Ottawa, Montreal. Hmm. This one's tough. This one's tough. Uh, can you repeat the poem, please? Okay. Of his long ass contract. Uh, he's heading into his fourth, or yeah, and already on the same deal, he's played for two teams in the north. Two teams in the north. Okay, I think this implies Canada, although I can't be a hundred percent sure. I'm going to stick in Canada as I think about all. The, all right, I'll start in Montreal. Um, long contract on his fourth year. No one really comes to mind. Uh, Montreal, Ottawa, who did they have? Uh, Ron Hainsey, nope. So he's gone now. Uh, this one's this one's a little tougher, I think. The Jets? No, can't think of anyone. I feel like it's Oilers or Flames. I feel like it's something going on over there. I feel like that's where the, the situation is. James Neal? What? I don't think he's going to. No, he only played the one year in Calgary, and now he's coming off his first year in Edmonton. So it's not James Neal. Um... Who do they have? Who do they have? Who do they have? Uh, uh, uh. It's not Mike Smith because he just signed a new contract. Calgary. It's not Lucic. Um, I can't even think of anyone. I can't think of even think of anyone who it could possibly be. Uh, man, why don't you talk while I think? Stall for time a little bit. Okay. All right. Um. So I don't know what to talk about because I can't talk about the quiz or I might give you an extra hint. Can't have that here. Well, it finally seems like I stumped you on a question, so I'm going to savor this solid moment. Um, hmm. I, I don't know. I guess I could... Let's see. Talk about all these bad contracts. Um, I mean, should I rag on uh, the boys again? Josh Anderson, Joel Edmondson. Uh, I don't know if this will ever get old because I'm still angry about it. For like First time to get old for How me, many... to be honest. What's that? It's already starting to get old for me. They haven't even yeah, seen the play. Yeah, like that's true. That's fair. Um, maybe maybe we'll give it. Maybe I'll give it a break for a little while, yeah. and then if it's truly atrocious, uh, we'll uh, we'll keep piling on. But you're right. You know, we'll give them a shot. We'll give both of them a shot. But frankly, my expectations aren't high. Yeah. Um. Uh, I can't think of. I no. I'm I'm fully. Drawing blanks. Um, all right, so can you read the poem again one last time? I just want to make sure I got okay. all the details right. All right. So, of his long-ass contract, uh, he's heading into his fourth, and already on the same deal, he's played for two teams in the north. Okay. Um, so, it's looking like I've got to think of a player who's been traded from one Canadian team to another in the midst of this current lengthy contract. And 
for whatever. I can't think of anyone. You're going to say it, and I'll be like, oh, yeah, that's what it is. But uh, you know what? I've already won this quiz. Eight on ten. Not bad at all. So I'm just I'm going to stop racking my brain. I'm going to take a little bit of a rest, and I'll, I'll, I'll concede this last question. Okay. All right. So you'll finish at eight on ten. A solid one. Uh, and, okay, so it's not those two teams in the West. Two teams in the East. Uh, notably, two teams in the East within the same province. Uh, defensive defenseman, Nikita. Nikita Zaitsev. How did I miss that? Man. Uh, you, you, said, you said Toronto and Ottawa in quick succession earlier. And I was like, oh, man, he's about to get it. He's definitely going to make the link there. And then you did it. And, uh, How yeah. did I think of you, Ron Hainty, to... currently a UFA, <laughs> and forget about Nikita Zaitsev? Right. Yeah. Um... That's yeah. You you went to Ottawa, and I was like, ah, oh, shit. He he's gonna remember. And then like, Ron Hainsey? No. And then you moved to the West. Um. Ouch. So yeah, oh, well. Nikita Zaitsev, our boy. Uh, <sighs> just okay. All right. That concludes the Not quiz. Bad. And I think yeah. that concludes this episode. Yeah, uh, oh, season episode number one. Yeah. You know what I was thinking? Uh, during the uh, like the beginning of quarantine, when we didn't have much to talk about, we started doing like a quarantine checkup. And now I know this is pretty much a normal length episode, but now that we're in the off season again, why don't we start like at a, I don't know, little off season checkup? How you, what do you, what have you been up to over the past over the past week or so? Past week or so, okay. So you know, uh, we're both in siege up here, and yep. you know the semester we're like full swing here. We're like halfway through, and it's like very busy with the homework. But aside from that, you know, been checking up on the World Series as we said. Maybe I'll start watching more games now that like it's gotten spicy. Because like now it's two two, so it's like best of three. That'll be the thing. You know, a lot of my quarantine checkups. I was talking about bread. We're still baking bread in this household. Uh, it's just it's working. The oven's good and everything. Uh, and uh, I mean, the NFL has kind of been a tire fire in terms of COVID. But you know, after this episode, we're taping right now, and it's it's about twelve thirty in the afternoon on a Sunday afternoon. Wow, I just said afternoon twice in the same sentence. Um, you know, we're gonna we're gonna go and watch my team. The undefeated Tennessee Titans. Uh, so uh, that's that's what's going on right now. What about yourself? Uh, I mean, same as you in terms of school. Uh, I had a, a pretty heavy workload last week at, at midterms, but it's kind of starting to slow down now. You know, this is the time of year where I start looking very much forward to the winter break, which is awesome. It's, it's like a month and a half long now. It's so much better than like the two and a half weeks we had uh, in high, high school and elementary school. But, uh, but anyway, that's down the line. Um, one thing I've been working on over the past little while, it's probably going to take a pretty long time, is a sound collage. I was like, I don't even remember how I like was intro- introduced to them, but I was like, oh, this seems fun. So I'm like t- taking like really short clips from like songs or podcasts or videos or movies or TV shows, and I'm going to like put them all together in strange sequences on GarageBand. And it's probably going to be, like, I don't even know how long it's going to be. It might be like an hour and a half, to be honest, because I'm like taking sounds from an extremely wide array of media. So that's kind of been, I've been working on that at nighttime. A lot of fun. Like, because I can just like, I don't know, watch a video or something or a, a movie that I enjoy anyway. But just while I'm doing it, I'm like taking note of timestamps that have like cool, like short lines of dialogue or something. I'm like, oh, I can put that in. All right. That is a very cool sounding project. Um, yep. Yeah. So uh, that's that. I know for both of us, something school related. We both got to start applying to university soon. That's kind of yes. funky because uh, uh-huh. we're both in CJEP. For all <laughs> y'all that don't know what that is, it's like a weird transition school. Like it's two years uh, post-secondary education between like, you know, high school 
and uh, university. And that's only it only exists in, in the province, in the of, province Quebec. of Quebec. That's right. And so mm-hmm. uh, that's that. Uh, and we're still isn't it crazy? Quarantine. This uh, pandemic. We've really been in here for like seven months now. That's yeah. I feel like like throughout the wild. summer and like into September even. I was like, oh yeah, it's just you know, it just that's the way it is. And now October for whatever reason is the one right here. Like wow, it's really been a little bit too long, hasn't it? Yeah, no, no freaking kidding. Uh, seven months. Like, uh, okay, wait. So we spent seven months of this podcast in uh, in quarantine, and how long have we not? Like, how many months? Five months, I guess. Five yeah, months. Yeah, we of this yeah, podcast. Yeah, we now definitely spent more time yeah. pod. There's now more fusion quarantine episodes than fusion not quarantine episodes. Wow. Well, okay, that's it's <laughs> crazy. Uh, yep. you know. Yep. All right, maybe we should rename it Pandemic, semicolon, uh, <laughs> a hockey podcast. Yeah, All right. Fusion. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right, I guess that's okay. the end. All right, we'll wrap it up here. Uh, this. Uh, well, at least we were product- productive this episode in solving baseball, so that feels good. True. But uh, this is now the end of this episode of Fusion and Hockey Podcast. We will return next week when it will be November 1st, I think. Yeah, the day after Halloween. I don't have any Halloween plans whatsoever, except maybe watch a Halloween movie or something. But uh, but that's it. Not much different than a regular Halloween, to be totally honest. Not my favorite holiday in the world. But anyway, that's besides the point. Thank you very much for listening. You can follow our Instagram at Fusion and Hockey Podcast, and you can tell all of your friends and family who may enjoy us about us. Mm-hmm.